Today we're going to uh, talk about how to preach the gospel. We talked a little bit about what is the gospel and, uh, you know, what we should preach and how, how we should preach. We want to come today to that, which is an interesting topic because there's probably an infinite, an infinite ways to way preach the gospel. To preach the gospel. <laughs> like, you got the right shirt on for that. It's infinito. <laughs> uh, and uh, obviously... You know, we start. We talked about the Great Commission. You know, to Jesus, this is really important. Yeah. And then what we share is important, but like you know, like we talked in the last one about the guy at Walmart talking about a, a vacuum cleaner. A vacuum cleaner who did a terrible job, and and maybe the issue wasn't the vacuum cleaner, but it totally was the way the guy talked about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and like. Last time we talked a little bit about how that is an issue with the gospel. You know, one of the things that stands out to me is like, if you walk up to a Christian, you go, hey, how's life? They're like, oh, you know, we're in the battle. Yeah. It always sucks. <laughs> it's always horrible. You know, and, and, and which is interesting because the Bible says, always be prepared to give people a reason why you have so much hope. Yeah. You know, so the one thing that we should be known for is we have the most hope in whatever room we walk in but yeah but it's usually funny. It's the opposite right? yeah because people will go oh you know everything is gonna get worse and and we're definitely feeling that right now and and it's like bro like that's the guy you don't want to sit next to on the birthday you know? <laughs> the birthday you know? party, <laughs> the birthday party <laughs> you end up next to a guy and you're like so how's life well bro you know everything is gonna go down it's gonna get worse and uh i'm Living that to the max, man. Everything sucks. So, so what? What is the way to share the gospel, or a way, or or a form? You know, since there's so many ways, kind of hard. I think, but uh, uh, what is what? What would you say? I mean, I, I think the first first thing we need to say is, what is the purpose of evangelism? For me, the purpose of evangelism is to get people back to the Father. You know, uh, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I think that the purpose of evangelism, the purpose of preaching the gospel is to get people back to the Father. So knowing that, I'm going to say, um, what is the most effective way or how can, I, how can I help this person get back to the Father? That's like, that's the why behind preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's an infinite, infinite amount of ways of how to do it, but the purpose of however you do it is to get people back to the Father. I so think it's that's connecting to a person. Yeah, you connect them to a, a, a good guy, like we talked about in, in, the, mm -hmm. in the last podcast, about uh, the goodness of, of God is what leads people to repentance. So we need to go show the world how good, how good the Father is. That's, that's the first thing. Um, I think uh, uh, when we teach story evangelism in, the, in, in our discipleship training school or in our uh, evangelism schools, you, you have your story, you have God's story, and you have this who Jesus is to you conversation. I think, I think those are a, a great way to start. But for me, it all starts off with um, say, man, we got to get people back to the Father and show the Father how good, how, show people how good the Father is. And the thing that Jesus did to show people how good the Father was, it says Jesus went around doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. That's in Acts 10, 3, right? So it was like, so understand that, that we need to demonstrate 
a supernatural kingdom. And I think when it comes to preaching the gospel, it makes it way easier. Like I, I say, it's, it's much easier to lead someone to Jesus after they just get up out of their wheelchair and walk around. Yeah. You know, so like miracles, I think, is is not an optional part of preaching the gospel. It's uh, Jesus commanded it like well, he did it. That was what he did over and over and over. Yeah. Like I, I did a study once where I, I looked at every single miracle story in the four gospels. And so like I actually wrote down like how many verses are about miracles in the book of Mark. One out of every four verses in the book of Mark are about a miracle. Like 25% of the story in Matthew, one out of 10 verses is about a miracle. So it's like, uh, it was a big part of what Jesus did. If you took out the miracle stories from the life of Jesus, from the gospels, like you wouldn't have uh, the gospels anymore. You know, it was an integral part. And uh, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 says, you disciple nations by teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded you. And so uh, healing the sick and casting out demons, raising people from the dead, it's a command. So it's not optional. So I think preaching the gospel starts off with demonstrate the kingdom and then you can proclaim the kingdom. So um, I know in a future episode, we're going to get down into the nitty gritty about how to how to heal the sick and, and do all this stuff. But I think, man, demonstrating the kingdom through supernatural miracles, signs and wonders, I think it's not optional. You have to do it. I think for me, when I when I before I became a Christian, you know, my story, like I start people having prophetic words for me that I was an evangelist. So then when I did come to the Lord, I was like, I need to figure out how to do this. So automatically you go read books. In those days we didn't have YouTube as available on the phone as now. You had to go to a slow, you know, call in computer. They, but, had, but they it, had internet when you got saved? Yes. Oh, I thought you were older. No, no, no. I, I'm older than the internet, <laughs> but I'm not saved longer not than the internet. <laughs> but, uh, what was interesting to me was it was the books I read was pretty much all trying to convince people to think what I think or to believe what I believe. Mm-hmm. And which is really interesting because the Bible, like you said, you know, come to me all who are thirsty, Jesus said, you know, uh, if you're weary and heavy laden, come to me, come to me. It's all about connecting to him. And then he is the only way to the father, like you said. So. So evangelism is not so much about convincing them to believe what I believe and to think like I believe, I think, you know, I've been married now 17 years and I haven't been able to make my wife think exactly like I think. (laughs) Like, so how the heck do I believe, do I think that I can walk on the street, find a random person in an elevator, start a conversation and make them think how I think. Right. Like that's like impossible. So, biblically, I think the way we should look at evangelism is like I walk around with Jesus, who's now my best friend, you know, represented in the Holy Spirit that's inside of me. And I'm going to present people to him. Mm. Like, how do you do that? Well, Jesus went around doing good. Why? He was the perfect representation of the Father. So he did something amazingly good. And the people go, this is awesome. And he goes, this is my Father. Mm -hmm. This is how he is. Yeah. You want to know him? And they're like, yeah, yes. you know, and I think that is when, when you talk about signs and wonders, I totally agree, you know, but it could be as simple as paying somebody's stuff at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember I was at a Sam's club in, uh, in, I think it was in uh, Grandview, Missouri, there by 
when we still had the office in Grandview, you know, the old days. And we went to a Sam's Club and a lady in front of me was going to pay her bills and she, oh no, I forgot my, my wallet is not with her. She has all her stuff. And I'm like, that's fine. I'll cover it for you. It wasn't that much, you know, but, uh, she goes, no, 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 I'm not poor. I just, I'm like, it's okay. I just, so you don't need to go and come back. This is totally fine. And, you know, I, I, and I ended up paying for her and she's like, why are you doing this? I'm not, I don't know what you're doing. And I go, look, I, I follow Jesus and I'm totally convinced that he would do this for you. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and she goes, Jesus. Yeah. I think Jesus was good like that. And I said, exactly. So, so just paying her groceries to a lady that's not even poor was such a random act of kindness that totally opened the door to share the gospel. And I got to talk with her and I got to talk with the cashier because she was so touched by what I did. And the person behind me ended up running after me, giving me a check as a donation. Like, I, you know, I wish I was like you. And he gave me a check <laughs> because of what I did. So the impact of me speaking with these, you know, or doing an act of kindness, sharing Jesus literally touched three people in one hit. Yeah. You know, so Jesus going around doing good. It's not there as a joke. Yeah. Like it's a serious thing that really makes people want to know the person, you know, because knowing Jesus should make you different. Yeah. Right. Like same thing. I remember we were walking down the streets in India and you know, we started off going, just going door to door, talking with people and, and, you know, India is largely Hindu. So they have, you know, a couple hundred million gods, you know? And so you just say, Hey, like, we want to say yes to Jesus. And they would add Jesus onto their shelf of gods. And it would just bother me. Like, how can we get people to make Jesus the, the Lord of all the other Lord? Like say, this guy is the one I'm going to, you know, and and the way Jesus would do it, doing miracles. And I remember like going to the streets, we found one person, they got healed. And all of a sudden there was a crowd. And then the person's like, oh, pray for me. And then that person got healed. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember the lady, like one lady getting healed and saying like, are you a God? And it's like, uh, no, we serve a God who is the most high God, you know, <laughs> like, and, and it was one of those moments where one stepping out, praying for someone on the streets, gathered a crowd and then we got to share how good Jesus was because every single person in that crowd got healed. You know, they just kept up kind of one after the other after the other. And I think that's that's the power of of combining the proclamation and the demonstration, the preaching and the and the doing signs and wonders miracles that that it it uh it shows people a reality of the kingdom that they can see right in front of them. You know, and and a sign, you would never stop at signs. You know, you got these documentaries now on Netflix and you got all these these things on YouTube about how, uh, you know, how signs and wonders are bad. They're not necessary and whatnot. But for me, like, it's necessary to demonstrate the goodness of the kingdom. Like it says in Corinthians, the kingdom of God is not a matter of, just a matter of talk, but a matter of power. And so you have to, you have to demonstrate the power of God along with the preaching of the gospel. So you have, to, you have to do the miracles. And then you don't want to stop at the miracles. You know, a sign always points to something greater than itself. I say like, 
If you're trying to find a bathroom in a restaurant, you look for the bathroom sign. But if you stop at the sign, you you embarrass your you embarrass yourself in front of the whole restaurant. Like <laughs> yeah. you don't stop at the signs. Like the signs point to something, and so you don't just stop at the signs and wonders. They they point to a good father who they should give everything to and submit their lives to. Yeah. So like when you're out there looking for opportunities to demonstrate the goodness of the father, I say, man, show them, show them, or yeah, show them the kingdom and then tell them about the king, you know, proclamation, demonstration, proclamation, demonstration, go, go hand in hand. And, um, and so after someone gets healed, I just say, man, like, uh, that healing is a sign that God loves you. Would you like to meet him? You know, like you, you just, you bridge to the gospel by doing miracles. Yeah. Well, and, and I think testimony is powerful. You know, what, you know, people come and they have a certain thing and, and I have tons of testimonies for the last, you know, ever since I met Jesus and all those testimonies, I have different ones for different occasions, you know, because something that happened to someone that God did and then sharing that with another person you know, it carries the power to repeat. You know, they yeah. say that the word testimony in Hebrew has the same root as, as repeat. So people, when they hear what God did for me, which can be a miracle or, you know, uh, you know, like when, when Sheldon went to the hospital and uh, she didn't get healed, but on the way there, having all these people call me and sending me messages and, and praying, just knowing that the body of Christ, that God was telling people all over the world, pray for Brahm and his family right now. And they'd be like, what is happening? God told us to pray for you. Like wow. when I shared it with people, they're like, oh, that's amazing. So, so God actually actively gathered the intercessors all over the world, you know, to, to be with you. And, and I think those stories uh, help too. I think that uh, you said this in the last episode we re-recorded about you know, you don't need to know much. Just share a story of, of how you encountered God. Yeah. And sometimes a little way or a little story for you or a little encounter that you don't think is a big thing for another person is like, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, I remember Lauren Cunningham telling a story about uh, they, uh, they start reading the Bible in a language to a tribe in Africa or something. And they started in Matthew and they're reading the names and it's the lineage of Jesus. Mm. And after they're finished the, the lineage, the chief goes, that was the lineage of your God? And they go, yeah. And he goes, we all gonna serve your God. And they're like, what? We read like the most boring part of the book, you know? <laughs> but in, in their culture, having a lineage meant so thing. And he said the, the thing that had been bothering them, him, the chief, is that God never have a lineage. So you don't know where they come from. Mm. And it's like, wow, you know, certain things touch people that you don't know, yeah. you know. So, so maybe, you know, one day you, you were on the road and you're like, oh no, I'm in a hurry, you know, and I don't want to speed and do everything illegal. God, please open all the green lights, and you get all green lights all the way, <laughs> and you share that story, and that can be the way, the way somebody. to somebody's heart. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. just, like I would never expect the lineage. To, to be, the you know, one, one of the coolest stories that I've ever heard, it was a guy came to me and he was like, bro, do you think if I go pray for random people 
like people will get healed and stuff will happen like uh todd white he watched those videos of todd white on on youtube and i'm like if you pray for 100 people obviously some are getting healed you know i'm like for sure yeah and he goes i will try it and i said okay go to the supermarket do it right now and yeah. he got a guy with a camera and uh, so he's waiting for the guy to grab his camera and the lady from the the kitchen it was at an Y1 base in Pirachininga in Brazil Sao Paulo Brazil and uh, the lady in the kitchen goes you're gonna pray for sick people and he goes yeah I'm gonna try if this works he said why don't you try with me I have pain in my arms you know and um, I can't lift up my arms so he prays for the lady totally gets healed yeah so the ca camera guy comes back and he goes what is happening and she go he prayed for me I got healed I'm like oh no I can't believe that and the guy go Pray for me, I'm colorblind. Hmm. So he prays for this camera guy and he goes, what happened? And the guy goes, nothing. So they went to the supermarket. They walk into the supermarket and the camera guy uh, goes, what, what, what color is this? What color? And the guy turns around and he goes, it's red, it's Coca-Cola. They were in front of all the Coca-Colas. Uh. And the guy drops on his knees, start weeping. <laughs> and he goes, what's wrong? And he goes, I've never seen red. I've never seen red. And the guy got healed of colorblindness. <laughs> so he's weeping in the supermarket. People start walking up asking what's wrong. And he's like, well, this guy was colorblind. I prayed for him and now he can see color. And just because of the story of this other guy that's just weeping on the ground, people are like, for reals? And he goes, do you want to know Jesus? <laughs> and like, so him sharing what was happening with the crying guy made other people want to know the God that did that. Right. And they can't even confirm if it was true. <laughs> right right you could have totally faked that like i could go in the supermarket with you and ball my eyes out and you make up some story but like that's why i think the holy spirit kicks in you know yeah, yeah. and people are like this is amazing this is what i want you know yeah and uh, that guy cried for two days it's like of all the people i've seen healed that was the most emotional and then i watched those youtube videos with those glasses and they all cried yeah when so i guess I guess the getting healed of colorblindness is very impacting on people. Yeah. But. <laughs> no, I remember we had a, when I was living in YWAM Honolulu, we would have, we would have youth groups come and do, we called it, it was called mission adventures. They would come and they would do like five days of training and then do five days of outreach. And I was, I was in charge of the outreach. So the first night we would always, we would always send them to the street to do street evangelism, which is like, People are always terrified of doing street yeah. evangelism. And uh, one of the most powerful things you see God do, I mean, from like, from the beginning when he first created people, is he would always ask questions, you know, like, Adam, where are you? You know, like, yeah. it was a question, but it had some power packed in it. And so I would always say, hey, we're going to ask God for questions that you're going to go ask people on the street. And um, they created like a little mini survey of just asking people these the questions that God gave them, you know? So I don't even know which questions they used, but I remember this, this youth group going down to the streets and I say, man, go to like all the t different types of people, go to old people, young people, go to guys, girls, you can go to military, you know, like go to homeless people, like go to as many people as you can and just ask them your questions. And I remember the first night, this youth group going down to the streets and, and they led like, I don't know what it was like four people to Jesus that night doing it like an hour on the street. They were so excited on their night off. They're like, Hey, can we go do more street evangelism? 
that's cool. I'm like, yeah, let's do it, you know? And then I, I heard that uh, months later, when they went back home, they went to do like a fun day at the beach and they're like, let's do street evangelism. You know, where like one encounter where you just, you get something from the Holy Spirit. I mean, if it's, if it's uh, something as simple as a question, mm-hmm. you know, it, it can open up the door, open up doors that can change someone's life, you know? And I, me- I remember uh, I was on the bus, it was Easter. And uh, in, in Hawaii to go from, or in, on Oahu, to go from one side of the island to the other on the bus, it would take two or three hours or whatever. And so um, I'm on the bus and this guy gets on the bus. He's like, what bus is this, man? I'm so high right now. And so I told him the bus number and I hear the Holy Spirit say, ask him if he went to church today. And I'm like, like, God, that's like the dumbest question. And why, who cares if you went to church today? <laughs> you know, like, you know, but then eventually you're, you're like, well, I should probably obey the Holy Spirit. And so I said, hey, man, like, did you go to church today? He was like, no. He started telling me this story. Uh, they, had removed a, they had removed a kidney or some sort of organ from his body. And, but his car had got stolen. And so he was so frustrated about all this stuff that's going wrong with his life that he was going to his like cousin's house to go and, and, and drink. But the problem was, is with, with his organ that was removed, if he went and drank, he would die. And so this one question, like, Hey, did you go to church today? Opened a hole. Opened a conversation with this guy where by the time he was going to get off the bus, he was like, man, I'm not going to go drink anymore. Like, thank you so much. Like we're, (laughs) <laughs> one question that I thought was the dumbest question in the world to ask someone totally changed the guy's life, <laughs> you know, and it probably saved his life because he didn't go do something dumb that would kill him, you know. But I think that's it. Like when it comes to preaching the gospel, there's an infinite amount of ways to do it. But man, like partnering with God is is probably the best way to do it. And asking questions, demonstrating miracles, you know, um, And I think, you know, one thing I always challenge people is to round it up with giving them the the choice to surrender their lives to Jesus. Mm -hmm. I think one of the mistakes we make is we start a conversation about God and then we don't really get to the meat in the end because God opens a door. So you get this free door. You know, we talked about this a little bit. We talk about the King of Kings, you know, Mm -hmm. so so. Like when you preach the gospel, don't ask them to receive Jesus, you know, oh, Jesus, could you please come live in my heart? Mm -hmm. You know, those things, but actually tell them, you know, this king is good, but to follow him, you have to be like him. And it means you need to get rid of everything that's not good in your life. Yeah. And that means, you know, sometimes it's going to, you're going to have to end relationships. You have to give up things that you really value. You have to change the way you live. You need to change the way you talk and actually explain that to them, you know, Uh, because it's so easy to get talking about God and then never get to to the hard part, because that's really the hard part in it, because the end of of this leads to, bro, are you willing to lay down your life to Jesus today and to tell him I will follow you the rest of my life? Yeah. You know? Because yeah. that is that is the step you need to take to step into this relationship and you know knowing God and knowing God is is eternal life you know that's that's where the kingdom opens fully to the people so I think that 
if you get a conversation, don't chicken out mm-hmm. on the hard part. Yeah. You know, if you feel God opened a conversation, you should be able to land it, you know, <laughs> and, and be okay if the, the decision is no. Yeah. I remember in the airplane, I was talking with the lady, she was from Europe, you know, the, she, was a, she was a lesbian and we talked about her business. She would be working for this, this, this thing. And we had an awesome conversation and I could show her like, you know, really uh, how good God was and how Christianity, had, you know, is not like this evil thing, but actually laid the, the foundation of, of the freedom she had now, you know, like, you know, the gay parade and stuff. You can't do that in a Muslim country. So why can't you do that in a Christian country? Because, you know, God that gives freedom of speech, freedom of religion. You know, that's Christianity where you have the freedom to do the wrong thing. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus had Jude walking around with him his mm-hmm. whole ministry life, knowing yeah. he would making the wrong decisions over and over, hoping he would finally make the good ones, you know. Yeah. And uh, then I came to the end. I'm like, you know, but if you really want to step into this kingdom, if you want to follow the king, you have to submit your life to him and become like him and give up a whole bunch of things. And she go, I'm not ready for that. Yeah. Which is a good answer. Yeah. You know, but I let her to the point that she had, she, she knew she had to make a decision because I think if I don't tell her that part and I just share and now she's open to God, she's thinking this is awesome. Then I miss, you know, the real, you know, getting to the meat, to the hard part of the message mm-hmm. is like, you will have to surrender to this king. Yeah. You yeah. know? And uh, so if you get an open door, if, you know, through signs and wonders, through doing something good, through a question, through hearing God say something, you know, uh, you have to come to the to the hard part, too. Yeah. You know? you know, I see that a lot with our 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 students that come through our discipleship school here that a lot of times they'll they'll pray for people, they'll do miracles and then they'll be like, OK, God bless you and then leave. And it's like, hey, that. That miracle was a sign so that now you need to preach to them, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like, uh, let's talk about the guy who did the healing, you know, like, let's talk about him for a little bit because that would, that just made it easier, you yeah. know? So we, yeah, you have to, you have to combine the miracles, signs, wonders, the demonstrations of the power of God, the love of God. You have to combine it with, with the gospel. And I think, um, I think when you preach the gospel, that there is a there is a cost to it. Like I think about the times when Jesus would call someone to follow him, and he said things like, "Let the dead bury their own dead," mm-hmm. you know, or he would he would do things that would make an entire crowd of thousands of people walk away, <laughs> and then he'll look at his disciples, the twelve guys who were the closest people to him, and be like, "You guys gonna leave too?" Yeah, you know, like. There was there was times when Jesus would do things to, I think, to purposefully see if people would be willing to pay the price to keep walking with him, and uh, and that's I think preaching the gospel again. Preaching is just a proclaiming of something that happened, mm-hmm. right? I think I think that's another important thing is uh, the good news. The gospel is news about something that happened that changed everything. You know, so I think when it comes to preaching the gospel that that we need to remember that it's it's news. We don't need to use as many uh, techniques and sales techniques that we 
that we can to make sure that this person buys into what we're saying because it's news that happened that changed everything yeah. that they can either submit to or not. But then at the end of the gospel, you know, it's like, are you willing to give up everything? Like there's a, there's a price to it. There's a cost, you know, like salvation is free, but it'll cost you everything, yeah. you know. And I always say, you know, and, and you know, to talk about the five points when you explain it to somebody, you know, it's the God created everything. That's why he's God. Yeah. You know, that's why he's the final authority in everything we do. And we rebel. It yeah. wasn't that God did anything wrong. It's us humans that rebelled, you know, and that's where Jesus comes in, sent by the Father to be sacrificed for everything we did wrong. And that's where the, 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 the forgiveness comes in that cancels every issue, mm-hmm. you know. And then Jesus beat death. We talked a little bit about that the last time. Jesus beat death. And that cross and the resurrection together is the moment that changed everything in the timeline of life as we know it, you know? Yeah. And then that cost where you talked about you have to change. You have to give up things. There's no way God... Jesus says, I was reading this this morning in Matthew, you know? It says, uh, be perfect as I am perfect. You know, it doesn't say be good as I'm good. You know, when you tell a kid, hey, be good, be good, <laughs> because you don't expect them to be perfect. Yeah. But Jesus didn't say that. He goes, be perfect. Yeah. Don't be good, be perfect. So that means everything that doesn't line up with perfection and that's defined by who God is, has to go, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then eternity. So if you, you you share these five points and explain it obviously it all depends on who you're talking to some people understand some of the points some don't do anything you know that has to come after god opened the door and you did the signs and wonders or the word of knowledge or the question god put in your heart to ask the people to to really bring it to an end and uh you know normally we teach the whole week on how to preach or what to preach about the gospel about the message so uh, if you're interested listening to this podcast, you can join one of our schools and we get a whole week on this stuff. <laughs> Dive deep. Dive deep. Yeah. Ywomensuncion.com. Sign up. Come sign away your life and we'll do something. We'll do something fun with you so you can uh, actually finish the Great Commission. Yes. 